0: You can be opening your Bibles to Acts 13. I'm so glad that you're here on Mother's Day. Um, and I'm sure Pastor Todd told you, but I just want to be sure. We're, number one, we're grateful for every mother or daughter that is here today. I'm very, very grateful. And as you leave today, uh, you'll be handed a, a carnation, and that's yours for the taking, if you're a mother or a daughter. And, and, uh, and some of you may be here because of your mother um, or someone who is a mother and you, and you showed up. Uh, maybe a family member or something. We welcome you here as our guest. We're so glad you're here. Um, as I said, I'm Stuart McCArter. I'm a lead pastor here, and you uh, and and uh, i'm I'm so thankful to have you here. Today, uh, we come to acts thirteen. we we're, we're preaching through the book of Acts. And uh, in here uh, we find uh, you're not going to find the the title I gave this in in the text, but in acts thirteen forty two to fifty two, we see the very, uh, not the very first time, but as Paul begins his missionary journey, this is the second uh, kind of uh, place that, that the Bible tells us about. And uh, last week we saw that he goes to a synagogue, which is uh, like a church for Jewish people that aren't in Jerusalem, um, just to make it as simple as possible. And, uh, and, and he preaches a sermon, and it's, and it's a, a, a recorded sermon. Uh, uh, the second longest, I think, that uh, is recorded of Paul preaching, I think it's only two. So uh, the other one's a little bit longer. But, uh, but the results of this sermon, first people believed and then they didn't believe. And when they chose not to believe after believing, they began to build a wall or add to a wall that was being built that separated the Jewish people, uh, in, in a sense, uh, separated them from the gospel. And so today I'm calling it another brick in the wall. Now I know if you're of a certain age, you're thinking about Pink Floyd right now, and so I apologize for that. Um, I even looked at the lyrics of the song, and they don't help. So uh, I, uh, it was more about anarchy than anything else. So I just said, well, we'll just leave it though. So but but I want to see that. and I, I just want you to think about this for a minute about walls because this is what the, those who rejected Christ did. They built a wall where now they they are separated from the gospel in a sense. In fact, Paul even tells them that I'm going to move this mic stand because I trip over it if I leave it there. Um, and it's loose so people can slide it up. So if I pick it up, it'll come off in my hand. All right, now that you know why I did that. Um, but as, as they, as you think about walls, you can have a positive or a negative wall. But walls have a lot of reasons. They, they can be a protection. They can be part of the structure. If you ever tore down a load-bearing wall in a house, you know what I'm talking about. Um, uh, they, they can be uh, also a shelter. They can help hold up a shelter to, to help you. So. In the Bible, the walls are, are, the both, are both ways. We think of some famous walls like the Great Wall of China. And that was built to protect uh, uh, land against uh, marauding hordes of, of, uh, of, of people coming in like, uh, like uh, Genghis Khan and others. And, and then there's Hadrian's Wall, which is less famous, but it, it cuts uh, the island of England in half. It's between Scotland and England. And the Romans built that because the people who inhabited the northern end of that island, when they went in and conquered uh, that island themselves, um, thankfully they brought Christianity there, but the people, the wild tribes in the north, they were known as Picts, P-I-C-T-S. Um, they, the Romans couldn't defeat them. They were, they were very crazy. They painted themselves blue. If you saw the, the movie Braveheart, uh, they, they put blue paint on, and that's kind of an homage to the Picts who covered their whole body in blue dye and would come screaming at the Romans and freaked them out, say, so just built a wall, So we're not going to mess with you. So there's a wall there for, the, for that. We, we think of walls being used in a negative way, like the Berlin Wall. If you're old enough, you remember it being built, being there. Uh, and if you're younger, uh, in 89 it came down. If you're really young, you don't even, probably don't even know what I'm talking about. But the world rejoiced when the Berlin Wall came down because it separated a city and two ideologies. In fact, when that wall came down, the people in... East Berlin were shocked, and it was a it was a big shock to them because they've been isolated, and communism, socialism, and destroyed a people. And they opened it up, and wow, West Berlin's doing real good. <laughs> and uh, and so it it was a tragic event, uh, thing, but the great event of it coming down. And 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 in our own country right now, we're talking about a wall, aren't we? Well, in the Bible, it talks about walls, and in the Old Testament, walls usually were a symbol of a Cities, the strength of a city's God and how strong that city could be. And probably the most famous that might come to your mind is the walls of Jericho. And the Bible says that they fell down flat. They were pushed straight down. They didn't fall out. They didn't fall in. God just put his hands on them and pushed them down. It's a a bad analogy. I I hate to even bring it up. But but if you remember in 2001 watching the Twin Towers fall, that's how the walls of Jericho came down. They came straight down. They didn't fall out or in. They just collapsed down straight, and only God could do that. That's why God did it that way, Uh, so they could see that. But in the New Testament, there's walls that have symbols. Uh, The Bible talks about in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 that that we have spiritual weapons of warfare to tear down strongholds, and a stronghold would be a wall, a place of fortification. The wall, the fortifications of our enemies that wants to uh, confuse us about who God is and and mess up uh, our understanding of them. In Philippians, uh, uh, the Bible talks about that if we put our mind on godly things and the right things to let God, and we leave our burdens with Him, that He will fortress our heart and our mind, that He puts up walls of protection around our heart and our mind. And, and, and so, even in the Bible, the, the walls mean a lot. And the, Probably the biggest meaning in 1 Peter Chapter 2, it goes along with Ephesians chapter 2. The whole book of Ephesians is about this. Is about the church. Because it says Jesus is the living stone, the living foundation, the cornerstone of the church. But then it says all of us who are believers are living stones that are part of that living building. This building we meet in is not a church. It's a building. and In fact, you can go to Europe and, and many old churches are now nightclubs. So obviously that building doesn't have a whole lot of meaning, except for the people that are in it, the meaning it gives it. They give it, right? Right? Some of y'all really old-fashioned. You, you actually believe you're sitting in a church. No, you are the church. When you're here, the church is here. When you're not here, the church is out there. Church people come to church. God's people are the church. And you you got to keep that straight in your head. Uh, or, you, or you mess up. So, so walls have all these different functions. We saw this symbology. So here's what I really want you to take home with you today, just to get to it. And it is, if God continues to ask for your obedience and you continue to ignore him, God will eventually stop asking. People say, I don't think a loving God would send anyone to hell. God doesn't, God doesn't punish people in hell. He gives them what they ask for, which is to be separated from God. They don't want God to bother them. They don't want God in their life. They reject God, reject God, reject God, and He gives them hell. And we go, "Why did God do that?" Because they didn't want Him. People go to heavens. People want to spend, hang out time with God, and they get to be with Him forever. So, you know, decide. Let's stand with me. We're going to read Acts chapter thirteen, beginning in verse forty-two till the end of the chapter, which is verse fifty-two. Now, remember, Paul just preached a sermon, and here's the next words. And as they went out, as they left that building, the synagogue, the people begged that these things might be told them the next Sabbath. Sabbath is a Saturday. And after the meeting, <coughs> excuse me, of the synagogue broke up, many Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, who, as they spoke with them, urged them to continue in the grace of God. The next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. But when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and began to contradict what was spoken by Paul, reviling him. And Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly, saying, It was necessary that the word of God be spoken first to you, since you thrust it aside and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life. Behold, we're turning to the Gentiles. For so the Lord has commanded us, saying, I've made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. Talking about Christ. And when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. And as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. And the word of the Lord was spreading throughout the whole region. But the Jews, inciting the devout women of high standing and the leading men of the city, stirred up persecutions against Paul and Barnabas and drove them out of their district. But they shook off the dust from their feet against them and went to Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Would you bow with me in prayer? Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, we humble ourselves before your throne, thanking you that you said if we would humble ourselves, you will lift us up. So, Lord, we acknowledge before you today that everything we need is outside of us, and everything we need is found in you, that inside of us there is no good thing, that inside of our flesh there is nothing that is worthy to be compared to what who you are and what you have for us. So, Lord, we humble ourselves in your presence, asking you to have your will and your way in our life, to show us what it is you want from us. We bind our enemy in Jesus' name, and we ask, Lord, that you would open our minds and our eyes to see the wonderful things that you put in your word. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Y'all can be seated. In this text, I, I want you to see... First of all, there's a mixed reaction to what Paul and Barnabas preached about. Now, Paul, you weren't here for the sermon uh, that Paul preached. Remember, his audience is Jewish or Gentile converts to Judaism. In the text, you see uh, it says the Jews or devout uh, uh, others. uh, And so in the very first verse, the the people begged, we want to hear more about this. It seems like. Non-religious people are more hungry to hear about God than religious people. Now, saved people want to hear about God, but religious people, they, they want to play, play act. You know what I mean? Uh, if, sometimes we call that hypocrite. Some people say, I don't want to go to church because it's hypocrites. Well, you don't, go to, you don't stay home from Walmart because it's hypocrites. You know, a cousin of mine told me that. And I said, well, I'd rather go to church with a few hypocrites than to hell with all of them. Right? So don't let it bother you, man, what somebody else does. You need to follow God, right? And, so, uh, and, and so, but so anyway, these people go out and they're begging. Tell us more, tell us more. And so what Paul had said was, here's the history of the Jews, a very short history, man. He, he took centuries and centuries and he boiled it down to a few paragraphs. And then he said, but the result of all that is Jesus, who is God in the flesh, that God put on an earth suit that looked Jewish. And he came and he, and he lived a perfect life and he died for your sins. And he was buried and rose again, and you can be saved. And by the way, our Jewish brethren put him to death through the Romans. He, they got the Romans to do it for him. And so, but, but he's, I don't know, he's the fulfillment of all that Old Testament prophecy that I was re- referencing. And the people are excited. Wow, you tell me the Messiah came. And at first, many people are following them. Look there in verse 43. And after the meeting of the synagogue broke up, Many Jews and devout converts, the devout converts are the people that are not Jewish, known as Gentiles. They, uh, uh, to Judaism, followed Paul and Barnabas, who, as they spoke to them, urged them to continue in the grace of God. So inside this thing, I said, hey, come back next week, tell us more. As they leave, many of the Jewish leaders and the devout uh, believers follow him out. And, and so Paul and Barnabas turned around and talked to them some. And notice what it says that Paul and Barnabas did. They encourage them to continue, or urge them, actually, to continue in the grace of God. Now, generally, I, I, I mean, I myself did that. As I read that, you probably went, uh-huh. Uh, if you read it for yourself, you go, okay, sure, we need the grace of God and all that. But, man, there is a lot packed into that phrase. It, we don't understand that word grace, okay, because, not because we've misinterpreted it, but because we've lightly interpreted it. I, I'm not sure if I'm saying that right. But if, if you ask the average Baptist, the lifelong Baptist, especially, especially somebody old as me, what is grace, they will spit out, it's God's uh, riches at Christ's expense. That's just a little acronym that they use. Or they'll say, well, it's, it's being given something you didn't deserve. And that's true. And it's a good thing you're given. Not a bad thing. It's a good thing given that you didn't deserve or earn or work for. God just gave it. But grace is much, 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 much more than that. It is the power of God to live out a Christian life. It's not only God's riches at Christ's expense. It's God's righteousness at Christ's enabling. He gives us his righteousness and then he expects us to grow in that righteousness... But you and I don't have the power in this mortal body to do that. And so God came to live with us. The Holy Spirit lives within the believer but also within the church. This is corporate as well as individual. That God himself takes up residency with us. And having God living with you, he empowers you to live the way you're supposed to live. If you don't live out that Christian life, you don't have God in you. You. Now, that's what the Bible teaches, and some of y'all have already got what I'm saying here. We 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 are so fond of saying, and, and I, listen, I grew up in a Baptist church. I was Baptist born, Baptist bred. When I die, I'll be Baptist dead. I mean, I just I did. But but being a Baptist don't get anybody to heaven. In fact, it'll keep some people out. I'm just telling you, because you're more concerned about being a church member, than being a Baptist, than you are about being saved and following God's work. And, and so having been grown up in a Baptist church, we, we really want to get children especially to pray that prayer and to ask Jesus into their life. You saw a child baptized today. Let me just tell you, the parents went through a long process because Mamie's young. And they wanted to be sure that she had an understanding. And my, my sister was Mamie's age when she got baptized. She's been saved ever since and never doubted it. I mean, she knew what she was doing when she did it. She was very young. Some people are that way. And, and I assure you, if you're sitting here going, that, that, that child's young, it doesn't matter. If she has an understanding of what's going on and she has godly parents going to help encourage her and teach her. My children, many of them were very young. One of them had doubts as she got older. When she was in college, she said, I'm tired of the doubts. I know what fixes this. And she made sure that she consciously said, God, you can do anything you want with me and gave her life to God and got baptized. Because that's what the Bible commands. Okay? So, so, but here's what I'm saying is, when God comes to live with you, things got to change. Because the power that created the universe living in you, something's got to give. And it ain't going to be him. So Paul is telling these people, you want to believe in Christ, you better continue in the grace of God. Because the only evidence that we are saying, listen, I... I can't look at you and tell whether you are a believer or not. You can't look at me and tell if I'm a believer or not. In fact, if you saw me sometimes, you'd think I wasn't. I ain't going to tell you when and where, but I just know sometimes I get caught going, oh man, that wasn't like what the Lord wanted me to do, was it? And, 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 and so you don't know, but the Bible says in 1 John uh, 3, 1 through 3, it says, we don't yet appear what we shall be. And the world doesn't know us because it doesn't know Christ. And so since they don't know Christ, they don't understand us at all. But it says when he comes, we'll look like him because we'll see him as he is. Then everybody will know we're we're Christians because he's going to change us. But in the meantime, I can't tell if you're a believer or not, but I do know this. If you stay faithful to God and his word, there's an evidence that God's at work in your life. That's what Paul's telling them. Don't, he's urging them, stay in the grace of God. Don't try to do it yourself. And remember, he's talking to Jewish people. They are very religious. They got rituals and rites and things they got to do. And, you know, I've met Baptists that said, well, we're not like them. Oh, really? Let me put the offering at a different spot in the order of service. And people will get torn out of the frame like I had denied God. I mean, it's crazy. We get so hooked up in, in our way of doing things that we forget that, I don't care if we change that a little bit every once in a while. There's no order of service in the scripture other than love God, worship him, and him alone. And so he, he's urging them to stay in the grace of God. And so I, I would ask you, are you continuing in the grace of God? And in fact, I need to ask you a question before I even ask that one, because I was talking about walls. What kind of wall are you building in your life? Because some of you are building walls of bitterness against people. You got somebody offended you. By the way, the only way they can offend you is if you let yourself be offended. Do you know there's a billion Chinese people alive right now that don't care? So why are you getting so torn out of the frame? Because you wanted to be offended. That's all. Nobody can make you mad. You decide to be mad. You can... Do you think... Well, I don't know. I'll run a rabbit trail. So, So people get offended... And, man, they just let a tree, they, they got a root of bitterness that starts. Yeah, yesterday, we were messing around in the yard, and we started pulling up weeds, you know. Some of them had gotten kind of big. And I had to go put on leather gloves because I had stickly things on them, you know. And some people just let the weed garden grow and grow and grow. By the way, I figured out the best way to grow weeds is, is try to kill the grass, plow it under, and plant corn. You'll get all the weeds you ever wanted just doing that. And so so people let the weeds grow in their life, and and you build a wall of bitterness. Because when you stay angry at one person, you get angry at everybody. You say, you sound like you know what you're talking about. I do. I, I jokingly say, but it is true, that most of my relatives are drunk Irish Catholics. And Irish people have an Irish Alzheimer's, in case you don't know that. And Irish Alzheimer's is when you forget everything except the grudge. And I got people in my family that quit talking to their brother, sister, mama, daddy, uncle, cousin because they got, oh, you don't know what they did. We see it in church, man. Oh, I, he didn't even speak to me. I might not have saw you. This morning, Pastor Bobby, uh, he called just before service and said, I got 102 temperatures. So y'all pray for Pastor Bobby. I knew we were baptizing. I knew we were doing Mother's Day. I knew all this stuff was going on. And, and trust me, we tried to plan this thing out so that I could get out here during the time of, of dedicating the Griffins uh, and, and raising Cassidy, and and all that's on my mind. And we hadn't started yet, and I get anxious and nervous. In fact, my wife gave me a watch that tells me my heart rate. And before church started, sitting on the pew doing nothing, my heart rate was 110, and it hadn't slowed down much since I can tell you. And we get we get all charged up. and so in my mind it was like pastor bobby called me i was like i gotta find andy because andy does the schedule and where's bobby doing and who's gonna do that and i came blowing through here there's people around me and i'm just right right past them because all my mind was almost where's andy can i get to him and then i'll let him go get todd or whatever we need to do pastor todd but it just that happens and then somebody goes he just walked by me didn't even speak I'm sorry, I love you, I would love to speak to you, but in that moment, I just get singly focused, part of my condition, I get tunnel vision, I just until I get there, I can't do anything else. And people just are easily, up, and they just start building walls of bitterness, walls of defense, you know. Last Monday, we, we're doing a thing this September called Saturate USA, but we're Saturate Augusta County. We want to put the gospel in every home in Augusta County. 20 churches signed up to help do that. Are they all Baptists? Nope, thank God. Because God blesses people that don't agree with us. Did y'all know that? But they love the Lord and they want to see people saved. We had this first meeting where we're going to pray and people coming in, they were kind of leading each other funny. And we had the first 30 minutes, we're just, it was for just let's get to know each other. And we had coffee and cookies and stuff out there. And, uh, and, 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 and sure enough, we started that at 6.30, meeting and started at start 7.00. Everybody came in and sat down. And when they're coming in, we still got coffee and cookies. Nobody touched it because they didn't want to come into the service with all that, you know, in the, in the auditorium. So I saw that happen. So I just came on and I said, y'all, we're not starting till 7. This is time for y'all to talk and fellowship. And I know some of y'all wondering, can you bring coffee in here? I held up my mug and I said, toast you. And I drank some. I said, I think y'all are adults. I expect you to act like an adult if you bring some in. Don't spill it. But if you do, don't sweat it. We'll take care of it. I mean, it's just coffee on a carpet. Not in God's house, in a building. Relax, (laughs) you know. But let me tell you, by the end of that night, because we started praying, and we prayed over 45 minutes, and we broke up in groups where we didn't know each other. And by the end of that night, people didn't want to leave. They wanted to stay and pray because fellowship and Christian communion had started. And I told them before we started, if you wear a denominational label, if you go to heaven, it'll fall off. If you go to hell, it'll burn off. Because in heaven, it's not separated by Baptist and Presbyterian and Methodist and Brethren and whatever. It's just saved or lost. That's it. If you're saved, you're in heaven. If you're lost, you're in hell. Period. And I may disagree with you on a minor point, but on the major point that God is God. His Bible is true. Jesus died for our sin. If you don't have him in your life, you're lost. And he's going to come back. If we can agree on that, that's all we need to agree on. And we can get God's work done. Well... Paul and Barnabas tried to get them to stay in the grace of God, to grow in that grace. But we see the flesh coming in real quickly. The next Sabbath, it says almost the entire city, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. How many how many of y'all went to small old churches in the old-timey times? Or been in an old-timey church, small one? Well, several of you. You know what I'm talking about. You go in there, it's got a little board up front. How many came last week? How many came this week? Sometimes it's how many people read their Bible. That used to be one. Hymn numbers, all kinds of things on those boards. Can you imagine a, a, a board like that in the synagogue? Attendance last year, 40. Attendance last Sabbath, 39. One died. <laughs> Attendance today, 25,963. And look what happens. Verse 45. But when the Jews, meaning the Jewish leaders of the synagogue, saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy. Remember I was talking about those bad attitudes we developed building walls? The leaders of that synagogue couldn't take it because Paul was a little more popular than them. And I only use that word loosely. It wasn't that Paul was popular. He was telling them the gospel that they had never heard. And God was moving for people to hear it. But the religious leaders of the church didn't want, and I use that word loosely, it's not a church synagogue, didn't want that to happen. I remember I grew up, uh, I was born in 59, just to put my dates there so you know. And and when I was when I was a kid, things were kind of normal, but the 60s, you know what those were like. And by the 70s, the young people in America were experiencing a revival, it was called Jesus people, um, Jesus freaks, we called ourselves Jesus freaks, um, because we were freaky about Jesus. And... And what happened nationwide is because until then, they only had those two, you know, scriptural musical instruments, the piano and the organ, which weren't invented by then, by the way. That was a joke in case you don't know. And all of a sudden, you got a guitar. Guitar is more biblical than those. It's, you know, it's sort of like a harp or a lute, just a little different form of it. They brought in guitars and drums, and some of them even had trumpets and whatnot. I had a guy tell me he wanted to punch me because we brought drums in the church. And what happened is the church didn't want those young people messing it up, and the revival died because the church leaders put the fire out. Now I'm not judging them because I wasn't a leader then; I was just part of what was going on, and I'm I, I don't want to criticize any other believer but what that taught me is i don't want to be the person that god's moving somewhere and i put a fire out because it doesn't happen the way i think it should you following me that's what's going on here and so they they threw up a wall the people showed up but jealousy gripped the jews and look what it says they began to contradict paul they 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 it says they contradict what he was saying they're like, no, Jesus said not the Messiah. He can't be, and he's crazy. He doesn't know what he's talking about. Have you ever noticed it's the ignorant people telling the people to know what they're talking about that they're stupid? It's like, that guy's successful. He's made you know billions of dollars. He's risen to a place of leadership. Somebody's going, no, he's an idiot. He don't know what he's talking about. Really? Are you kidding me? And that's what they were doing. Paul doesn't know what he's saying. Paul was the the the... Highest Jewish disciple of the highest Jewish leader of his day. He knew he'd forgotten more than any of these other guys had ever learned. And they're over there contradicting him. He's trying to bring them to the truth of what the Bible was saying, but they kept rejecting it, rejecting it, rejecting it. And not only that, it says they were reviling him in my English Standard Version that I use. The King James says they blasphemed Paul, but that word blaspheme means to vilify him. In Peter, it talks about Jesus being blasphemed. It's the same word that they vilified Christ. Remember the Jewish leaders like, Oh, he's a liar. He's crazy. He makes himself to be Caesar. And they lied about him and they reviled him, which is the same word. They blasphemed against him. They vilified the good. And the Bible says, be, Beware when men call good evil and evil good. And that's exactly what happened. And So... They rejected the gospel, and when they did, they started building a wall. In the book of Acts, we find after Jesus rose from the dead and then went back to heaven, Peter, you see that Peter and John get arrested after just a couple of chapters. And God rescues them out of the prison. They beat them and tell them, don't say anymore. And they say, well, you can tell us that. We're going to do it anyway. Then later, they arrest all the apostles, and they have them. They could have squashed Christianity right in that moment. But Gamaliel, Paul's teacher, stands up and goes, guys, if this is from God, you can't squash it. And if it's not from, and 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 you'll be fighting against God, and if it's not from God, it's going to die of its own steam, so don't worry about it. Which kind of bothered Paul. And then later on, Stephen stands up and preaches, and Paul hears that sermon, and they stone Stephen to death. And the Jewish people rejected Christ three times as a body, as a whole people. And when they did, God said, okay, that's it. So Paul goes on this missionary journey. The guy that was encouraging the stoning of Stephen, God saves him. And he goes on a mission journey. First place he goes, Jewish people, he tells them the gospel. And when they reject, look what he does. In verse 46, and Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly, saying, It was necessary the word of God be spoken to you first. Since you, but since you thrust it aside, listen to this verse in verse 46. And judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life. Remember what I said earlier? God doesn't send anybody to hell because of their sin. He just lets them get what they ask for. Because none of us have not sinned, by the way. I deserve to go to hell. You deserve to go to hell. Miraculously, for some reason, God gave me mercy. He didn't give me what I deserved. And then he gave me grace. He gave me what I didn't deserve. And that was his presence in my life, that I could live and look like Jesus. You following me? And when they said no to Paul's message, Paul says, you counted yourself unworthy to receive it. Don't blame God for that. Everybody wants to blame God for everything. We're the ones that messed it up. He made it perfect and we messed it up. And so they deem themselves unworthy of the gospel and they are building a wall so that God says, fine. I'm not going to bother with you anymore. In verse 47, so the Lord had commanded, so the Lord has commanded us, saying, I've made you a light for the Gentiles, you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. He's quoting the Old Testament thing about Christ. And verse 48. And when the Gentiles heard him, they began rejoicing. Do you see that? Look at what the Gentiles do. Because the Gentiles and the Jewish system don't deserve the grace of God because you're not born a Jew. And Christ came to save everybody. And they the church had already started understanding that, and they're preaching to the Gentiles. And the Gentiles, they said, What? You mean we can be become a follower of God without being Jewish? Tell us more. They start rejoicing. And so Paul turns to them and he says, And as many as were appointed to eternal life, believed. And the word of the Lord was spreading through the whole region. Man, the Gentiles caught fire and they started preaching because it is good news. They are accepted. The old way is gone. There's a new way. It's the new covenant, the new testament in Christ's blood. But look at verse 50. But the Jews incited devout women. (laughs) Mother's Day. That's weird. Of high standing and the leading men of the city. And they stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and drove them out of the district. Isn't it funny that, that the women were approached to convince their husbands what to do, and these weak-willed men disobeyed God because their women told them to. You know, if Adam had just been a man, we wouldn't be in the situation we were in. Because he was standing there when the Satan was talking to Eve. It's not what Eve did that caused sin, it's what Adam did. Because Eve was deceived, but Adam knew what he was doing. And he willfully disobeyed God. Eve could have been, it's okay, we shouldn't have done that, but... You didn't know any better, we'll fix that. But no, Adam knew. I'm the head of my house, but my wife's the neck. She turns the head. <laughs> right? And so when they wanted to do evil, they went and got those women and said, tell your husband to. And these are people of importance. And the women start whispering in their husband's ears. And the men start saying, you go. we got to get out these guys. And so Paul leaves. Verse 50. And it says they drove them out. But in verse 51, so Paul shook off the dust of his feet against them and went to Iconium. He said, fine. He didn't get offended, didn't get mad. He went, fine, here, you can have your dirt back. I'm gone. But look at the next verse. It's not that he abandoned them. He comes back and helps them. But look at verse 52. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Wait a minute. The leader left. How can they be filled with joy and the Holy Spirit? Because guess what? This is something that... I don't want want people to really know this, so keep this quiet, all right? But you don't need me. I appreciate that I'm here and that they pay me to do this. Can you believe that? But you can be filled with joy in the Holy Spirit apart from the pastor. That's what we believe as believers. That God lives in each one of you and you are just as important in God's economy as I am. I've been called to a specific role, but not something more important than what you're called to. Because God judges the nations with equity. In other words, he's going to hold you accountable for what he made you to do. He's going to hold me accountable for what he made me to do. He's not going to hold me accountable for what He made you to do. And he's not going to hold you accountable for what he made me to do. Sometimes people want the pastor to do everything. No pastor can do everything. And there are some pastors who want to do everything. And no pastor can do everything. (laughs) Pastor wants to do everything. He's an idiot or an egomaniac or something like that. Because guess what? God didn't gift me to do everything. And there are other people who can do it better. And I just mess it up if I get my hands on it. So you do that because that's what God told you to do. And these disciples are filled with joy and rejoicing because God had come into their life and saved them. And they continue in the faith. They do what Paul and Barnabas tried to talk the Jewish people into doing. And that is they continued in the grace of God. They kept following what God was showing them. And as they did, God continued to bless them. Gentile believers are filled with the presence of God. God doesn't need, well, that might not be the right way to say it, but God's not looking for more pastors. He's not looking for more missionaries, even though he is. Don't, Don't take that fully. He's looking for God's people to be God's people. That's what he wants. And if all of us would be what we are supposed to be, the church body, would be a complete body, because he doesn't call us all to be the same thing in the body. We have different roles. So, I go back to my original question. What wall are you building? Are you building a wall of bitterness, a wall of defense, a wall of leave me alone to God, or are you tearing down the strongholds of the enemy, letting God build godly walls in your life to protect you, but walls that don't bind you so that you can't serve him? I want you to get out a, a, a pencil and piece of paper, a bulletin or something, any any piece of paper, and I want you to ask, I want to ask you to write down what God's telling you right now. What is God saying to you about where you need to obey him better? Just write it down. No, we're not going to ask you to turn it in or stand up and tell us what you wrote, so write write the truth. You might want to hide it from your husband or wife for a moment. (laughs) You need to be honest with them. I shouldn't have said that, sorry. but I want you to write that down. This is between you and God. You know where God's asking you to obey him better or in a new way. So write it down. And then after you do that, decide right now, how are you going to respond to what God's telling you to do? Will you put another brick between you and God or will you tear that wall down? You've built up a wall where, God, I'll give you everything but this. I'll give you everything but my bitterness. I'll give you everything but pornography. I'll give you everything but flirting with other people, not my, my spouse. I'll give you everything but my finance. I'll give you everything but my children. I'll give you everything but my job. The last church we served, the there was a young man on the pulpit committee. He was really very, very young. It was kind of surprising they put him on the pulpit committee. His mom was on it as well. But he was a young man, and he, he was already deacon. He was full of the Holy Spirit. He was probably in his late 20s, I guess, uh, when, when he was on that committee. And, and that committee called us to be their pastor. We were there for a good long time. Right after I got there, after a few years, God put a call on his life, and he became a pastor himself. He went through a lot of process, obviously. The last place he served was First Baptist Fisherville, right down the road here. And he died there of pneumonia in his 40s. Now, I would only tell you that story. I've told it before, but if you're new, you didn't hear it before. But here's why I tell you that. What if he had not obeyed what God said to him? The last thing he would have been doing before he met God was his own will. How do you want to meet God? Doing your thing or doing his thing? And you don't know when you're going to die. In the earlier service, I said, I could drop dead of a heart attack right here and somebody would step up and take over and somebody told me afterwards, we had a pastor die in the pulpit on Mother's Day. Don't say that again. But I did anyway. <laughs> He's like, shh, don't do that. I said, lightning doesn't strike twice, usually in the same place, but never know. Are you going to tear down the walls of disobedience, the walls of selfishness, the walls of... Whatever. And then the third step to this is this. Find somebody you trust and let them know what God told you. And ask them to keep you accountable. How are you going to begin this new level of obedience in your life? Act on it. But make yourself accountable to somebody and say, hey, would you help me? I I remember a a, a lady that called my wife one time. She said, I'm not reading my Bible like I should. I want you to call me every day so on the way to work my wife would call her and say where did you read in your bible today what did God tell you what did God teach you what did God show you and it became an accountability relationship where where then she could ask her well what did you read this morning as she began to walk in victory she said I just want you to do it for this many days because I know once I do it that many days it will become a habit and I'll keep doing it so how can you make sure you obey what God's asking you to do